0: Chapter sixteen of Against Odds by Laurence L. Lynch. This Librivox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter sixteen: That little decoy. I stowed the false address in my waistcoat pocket, and after promising to see the guard again on the next day, a promise which I fully intended to keep, and exchanging a few friendly but important sentences with him. We shook hands and separated we had grown almost friendly in our manner each toward each in spite of the fact that neither knew the name of the other he had told me where he lodged among the number who were housed within the grounds and we had agreed to dine together at an early date at a place which he had recommended in reply to my inquiry after a satisfactory place to dine within the walls of the fair he had dined there regularly he assured me and i was glad to know this for i foresaw that i might need his help for the defence of miss jenrys and her interests and i could not know too much of his whereabouts till we meet and wine and dine i said flippantly upon leaving him little dreaming how soon and in what manner we were to meet again as i left the plaisance the handsome guard was still the subject of my thoughts that he had told me the truth concerning his interview with the brunette I did not doubt but was it the whole truth All that he had rehearsed to me could have been said in much less than half the time She had spent in brisk conversation with the guard whose part seemed to have been that of listener Not that I had any right to demand or expect his full confidence still why had he withheld it and what was it that the brunette had slipped into his hand at parting another thing we had planned to dine together soon and he knew that i was or seemed to be quite at leisure while he would be relieved from duty very soon and yet well he had certainly not grasped at the opportunity i did not expect to meet brainerd until a late hour and i had decided to do nothing further in the matter of the trent disappearance until we could talk it over in fact there was little to be done until i had seen miss jenrys and her aunt and reported to them as i had engaged to do at seven o'clock at this hour i called and made my meagre report which however was better than nothing as the ladies were good enough to declare they had remained at home all day and late in the afternoon received a message from miss o'neill the picture it assured her would be sent at once a little to my surprise i found that the ladies were prepared to go to town in company with monsieur Voisin, to hear a famous monologue artist he had persuaded them miss jenrys said rather against their wishes but they had at last decided that this would be better than to pass the evening as they had already passed the day in useless speculation discussion and anxiety of course i agreed with them but i came away early not caring to encounter the handsome frenchman again and i re-entered the gates of the fair city a little out of tune and wandered about the brightly illuminated and beautiful court of honour finding for the first time in this place that time was dragging and wishing it were time to meet dave and begin what I knew would be a lively and two-sided discussion at eight o'clock there was music upon the grand plaza and the bandstand was surrounded by a merry happy crowd at nine the band was playing popular airs and a picked chorus that had been singing in Coral Hall in the afternoon was filling the great space with vocal melody in which from time to time the crowd joined with enthusiasm Coming nearer the center of attraction. I saw seated near the water's edge and quite close to the great fountain the little brunette and a companion It was impossible to mistake the brunette for she wore the costume of the afternoon a somewhat Conspicuous costume as I afterward remember But her companion puzzled me She was tall and slight and quietly well dressed and her face could not well be seen under the drooping hat which she wore there seemed at the very first something familiar about this hat it was broad-brimmed slightly curved upward at the sides and bent to shade the face and fall over the hair at the back but long dark plumes fell at one side and a third stood serenely erect in front and suddenly i remembered that i had seen miss jenrys wear such a hat upon the day of our first meeting but miss jenrys in a dainty white theatre bonnet had gone uptown and there was no monopoly of drooping hats and feathers so i told myself but i wondered what mischief new or old the brunette was bent upon and i decided to give her the benefit of my unoccupied attention from time to time the two changed their positions but i noted that they kept upon the outskirts of the throng and seemed to avoid the well-lighted spaces, sitting or standing in the shadow of the great statues, the columns, and angles. For nearly an hour the music continued, vocal for the most part, and the crowd kept in place, singing and applauding by turns. I had been standing near the east facade of the administration building for some time, having followed the brunette and her companion to that side of the plaza when i saw a group of Colombian guards evidently off duty place themselves against the wall quite near me they were strolling gaily and after a little as the singers began a national anthem some of them joined in the chorus or refrain it was amateurish singing enough until suddenly a new voice lifted itself among them a tenor voice sweet strong high and thoroughly cultured I Turned to look closer and saw that the singer was my friend the handsome guard He was standing slightly aloof from the others and when he saw that his music was causing many heads to turn He suddenly ceased singing and in spite of the remonstrances of his companions moved away from them Slowly at first and then with more decision of movement until he was out of their sight in the crowd He wants to avoid them I said to myself and he seems to be looking for someone and then I turned my attention to the brunette once more at ten o'clock the music had ceased and the people were scattered upon the plaza the electric fountains had ceased to send up multicolored spray and some of the lights in the glittering chains about the Grand Basin were fading out on the streets and avenues leading away from the plaza there was still sufficient light but the wooded island which as yet had not participated in the great illuminations was not brilliantly lighted in fact under the trees and among the winding shrub-bordered paths there were many shadowed nooks and gloomy recesses and yet it was towards the wooded island that the brunette and her companion led me wondering much and keeping at a distance to avoid the glances often sent back by the little adventuress i had just stepped off the path to avoid the gleam of light that fell across it from the light just at the curve when a quick step sounded close by and a tall figure passed me in haste going the way the two had taken the form of the handsome guard i had followed them past the east front of the electricity building and between it and the canal and then across the bridge opposite and midway between the north front of the electricity and mines buildings Across the little island of the hunters' camp, and across the second bridge, and it was near this last spot that the guard had passed me. A few paces beyond me, he seemed at a loss and paused to look about him, and as he did so, the two women who had made a short cut across the forbidden grass came out into the path directly between us and retraced their steps toward the bridge it was past ten o'clock now and very quiet just here and the lamps at the ends of the bridge the only lights just here seemed to me less brilliant than usual as the two women came toward me somewhat slowly i drew back into the shelter of the bushes and they passed me speaking low i remember that at the moment the thought of our singular isolation in this spot crossed my mind and I wondered why we did not see somewhere a second Colombian guard on duty and Now my guard passed me hurriedly looking neither to right nor left and I crept forward across the grass and under the trees I could now see that the women had stopped upon the bridge nearest the island and On the side facing eastward and looking over the face of the lagoon at its widest and across to the silent and now almost utterly darkened Manufacturer's building and that the guard had joined them Rather that he was speaking with the brunette while the other with bent head stood a little aloof and Then as I looked and wondered two figures arose suddenly or so it seemed from the base of the statue at the end of the bridge Just behind the guard and as he bent his head toward the little decoy There was a silent forward spring a sudden heaving movement and a splash with a shout for help i bounded forward tearing off my coat as i ran i was conscious of four flying figures that passed me hastening islandward but my thoughts were all for that figure that had gone over into the lagoon silently and without a struggle as i tore down the bank at the side of the pier i heard low voices and could see a boat in the shadow of the bridge and as i was about to plunge into the water a voice said sharply, Keep out, mate, we've got him. And in a moment the boat came out, and I saw two men were supporting the guard, half in and half out of the water, and the other pushing the skiff to shore. As I stepped into the water to their assistance, I saw at one glance that my friend had fallen into the able hands of two of the emergency crew, whose duty it was to patrol the lagoons by night, and that he was insensible he struck our boat in falling one of them said to me and i'm afraid he's got a hurt head too bad if he hadn't fainted we'd a winged one of that crowd sure End of chapter 16